This past November and December, I grew a beard. I'd never grown a beard, not a full one. I mean, and I don't really count the one that I tried to grow in eighth grade. It never really came in. Or you could say that it just came in, depending on your perspective. But I've always wanted to grow a beard, and I really am not a big fan of shaving. So I thought, eh, let's see how this goes. And it went okay, just okay. And we have some pretty epic beards here on staff at the Ridge, and it gets a little intimidating. I mean, this is Tim Perkins. He's our executive pastor here at the Ridge, and I'm in meetings with Tim sometimes, and people always talk about how epic his beard is. And when you have a beard and no one says anything about your beard, you kind of see where you stand, you know? And this is Chris Bell, our student pastor. He has a pretty epic beard as well, and he color coordinates it apparently all the time. I mean, with, he, he's a big Vols fan, and so those are both incredibly epic beards. Now, you might think, well, I mean, you can't compete with that, but I had a puny beard comparatively. I mean, this was mine. Kind of sad after, after putting those two beards up. And you think, well, okay, so you got rid of it because, I mean, who wants to walk into the office and compare, compete with those two amazing epic beards? Now, I did have a smaller beard, but that's not why I got rid of it. Now, my wife, Abby, she also didn't like it. She said that I really started not to like it, Adam, when it started to get poofy, which is not a fun thing to be called ever in any context, especially by your wife, poofy. But that's also not why I got rid of my beard. Here's why. My four-year-old daughter, Eliza, one day when we were playing, she looked at me earnestly with kind of her big blue eyes, and she said, Daddy, can I tell you something? And I said, of course, anything. Like, I thought that this was kind of this epic, you know, sweet daughter moment. She'll confide in me. She got quiet for a second. She took both of her hands and grabbed onto that scraggly beard, and she said, Daddy, I don't like your beard. Like, why not? Like, that kind of hurts, but okay, well, you know, why not? And she looked dead in my eyes and said, because you don't look like my dad. It was like a knife cutting through me. I mean, her words have more power than I think she would ever know. This four-year-old's opinion hit me. And I thought to myself, I'm kind of like trying to think logically and go, well, who cares if she likes it? She doesn't understand. She likes really silly things sometimes. But still, her words had power. Abby didn't like it, which didn't help, but really Eliza's words were the words that cut deep. So soon after, I cut off my scruff. Have you ever been in a situation like that where someone just doesn't know the type of power that they have, that the words that they say just cut through you? Have you ever had somebody say something that you just couldn't shake? Your words echo in your ears. You just can't get rid of them. Maybe it's an insult from a parent. Maybe even years ago, maybe a performance evaluation at your job that just really hurt you. Maybe it was a lie told by a friend and you thought that they were honest and they betrayed you. Some, something a third party said about you that's just not, uh, that's not true. Maybe it's on social media, it's gossip and it's hurtful. Words have power. Now, here's the rest of the story with Eliza. I shaved my beard. I came out of the bathroom and looked at her with a big smile on my face, and she burst into tears. I was like, what's wrong? And she looked at me with tears just streaming down her cheeks, and she said, you don't look like my dad. So words can be fickle too. Now, we're in this series right now called Life is Complicated, Get It Right. 
And this series is talking about the book of Proverbs and different themes that come out to help us like navigate our lives in the best way we possibly can. This series is really about wisdom. Now, wisdom is what you need to know to do and live well in God's world. It's action-based. Wisdom is action-based. It's not just what we think, but it's really how these godly things in our lives can cause us to follow him and interact with other people in our world today. And the book of Proverbs has more to say about words than a lot of other topics that are in there. It says more about words than money, than sex, than family, than relationships. There are approximately 90 Proverbs about our words and how we use our tongue. Now, one body of research was done that said Americans speak around 700 times a day. Just how many times we open up our mouth to say something. That's so many words. You feel like that's high? I kind of feel like that's a little high. Let's cut it in half. 350 times. Still high? Cut it in half. 175 times a day we open up our mouths and say something. What else do you do in your day 175 or 350 or 700 times other than pick up your phone and look at social media? What do you do that many times? And if we count the words that we write, we interact with a lot of words every day. And I would encourage you, if you're doing the Ridge Reading Challenge where we're reading through portions of the Bible, we're reading through Proverbs right now, pay attention how many times the book of Proverbs talks about words. Why? Because words have power. So the book of Proverbs tells us, weigh our words carefully. Stay away from people who can't control their tongues. Speak honestly. Speak truthfully. Listen before you speak. Why? Because words have power. Now, I recently heard that many people believe that the tongue is the most powerful part of our bodies. And I thought to myself, absolutely not. I mean, that's weird. I mean, think about this like weird, wet thing in your, in your mouth. It's a muscular organ. It's used for tasting and swallowing and articulating speech. No way it's the most powerful thing. I mean, this thing, the tongue, it's gross. And it's more powerful than like our heart or more powerful than muscles in our arms and muscles in our legs. I mean, maybe not that type of powerful, but it depends on how you define powerful. If you define powerful as the ability to significantly make an impact, or if you define powerful as to change something, the tongue is pretty powerful. This is Proverbs 18.21. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So if you ever wanted a Bible verse to have somebody not talk anymore, this is it. You got it. Proverbs 18.21. But really, this is saying, look, your tongue, the words that you use matter. And words are a life or death situation. They can be harmful. You know, that blog that you might read that slanders someone and they end up losing their job unjustly, words have power. The email that makes fun of your colleague and then they end up in the bathroom stall crying because of words that you said, 
Words have power. The text that gossips about your neighbor and they feel unloved and unsafe in their own home. Words have power. The meme that's careless and demeaning and continues a stereotype that hurts real people in your community. Words have power. Insults hidden in, hidden in the social media post. And they paint people with this broad brush of hate, not love. Words have power. Or maybe you're saying, well, I don't do that stuff. Maybe in that private conversation, a lie that you might have to save face. Or that piece of gossip that you might say that's just not true about your friend that loses your integrity. Words have power. Blogs, emails, texts, memes, social media posts, private combos, all of them. Words have power because words can cut us to the core. Have you heard the phrase, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? It's not true. Sticks and stones will indeed break your bones, but words can hurt us even more. And if you don't get a handle on our tongue, we're in trouble. Like life or death trouble. This is Proverbs 12, 6. The words of the wicked are like a murderer's ambush, but the words of the godly save lives life or death stuff. There's a famous story about Deputy White House Counsel Vince Foster. He served when Bill Clinton was president. Vince Foster served in the White House and he ended up taking his own life. And in the note that he left behind, this is what he wrote about Washington, D.C. and his colleagues. Here, ruining people is considered sport. Life or death. Words have power. But here's the truth. Some of us, many of us, maybe you, maybe me, we kind of like the negative words, don't we? We eat up the gossip. We love that negative information about other people. Sometimes it makes us feel a little bit better. We use our words sometimes to tear other people down because we want to get ahead or we don't want them to get ahead. We actually lick our lips and find slander delicious It's the same reason that we say out loud we're tired of the sex scandal or the celebrity feud, but then we find ourselves reading another article about it and consuming more words about it, whether it's true or not. It's the reason when you hear something that's going on, whether you agree with it or not, you go right to saying something about it rather than thinking about it first. Even without knowing a person or talking to them or understanding their reasoning or giving them the benefit of the doubt, we say something negative. Why? Because words have power. Take an inventory of the words that you've used over the past week. Did you lie? I mean, even a lie to save face or get out of a tough situation. Do you use your words to insult somebody? Even in passing, with a colleague? Did you gossip about so-and-so saying such and such to so-and-so? Did you criticize more than you encouraged? Were you careless with what you said? Words have power. How did you use your words this week? Because lying damages relationships. Insults damage relationships. Gossip damages relationships. Careless words damage relationships. All of those are based in Proverbs. There are 90 of these examples of how our words have power and how words can be harmful and damaging and destructive 
and they can tear down people and organizations and hopes and dreams and self-esteem. But it's not just death, it's life or death. Words can be helpful. A fresh drink of water in the desert. We can use this powerful tool in our bodies, our tongue, to tear down or to lift up. That's the big idea for today. What can we do? We can use your words to lift up, not tear down. Now, I'm not a weightlifter. I know that that might surprise you. But think of the most buffed out, you know, muscle-driven person that you know. I mean, just somebody who's absolutely jacked and realize that your tongue, your words are much more powerful. And we have a choice to wisely choose our words. We can use them to encourage, breathe life, mend relationships, say we're sorry, speak truth with love, or we can use them to discourage and destroy and lie and insult and tear down. That's the choice, life or death, tear down or lift up. Now, one time, there were these two frogs. They were stuck in a pit, and they didn't know how to get out. They're stuck, but they kept jumping and jumping because they couldn't get out. And finally, a toad came on, looked down into the pit. He peered down, saw the two toads, and he yelled down, it's too deep, you're not going to make it, you might as well give up. And that's what one of the frogs did just laid down in despair and died right there on the spot. But the other frog heard the shouts and tried harder and harder to jump. And the toad kept yelling down these insults and negative feedback, but the frog kept jumping higher and harder. And suddenly the frog jumped out of the pit and the toad looked at him and said, why in the world did you do this? Why didn't you give up? And the frog said, sorry, I'm hard of hearing. I couldn't hear what you were saying, but I assumed it was encouragement. Words have power to tear down, destroy, or to encourage and to give life. So how do we go about doing this? You know, how do we use our words to lift up? What strategies can we use? Well, first, here's what I encourage you to do. I encourage you to think about it. It's an acronym that can help you anytime you're thinking about what should I say here, what should I type, what should I communicate with somebody, think about it. Here it is. Is what I'm about to say T, true? Psalm 34, 13 says, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. And I think sometimes we think, oh, well, I'm not a liar we use these little inaccuracies or maybe we embellish or what we say isn't entirely true or we don't know if it's true. So when you're thinking and saying something, T, true. Here's number two, H, helpful. Will it encourage somebody? Will what you're about to say help? Does it give support? Does it give love? Or is it mean? Does it tear somebody down? Is it true? Is it helpful? I. Is it inspirational? And this is, I, this is I, I don't mean this. I don't mean like get on your Instagram and it has to have like a sunset behind it. That's not what I mean. Inspirational, does it lead to life change? Is it something that inspires someone towards what is right or towards God? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspirational? Here's a hard one. Is it necessary? 
we say a lot of things that are unnecessary. As I was kind of thinking about this message, one of the things that kept coming to mind is my opinion is often not necessary. Is what I'm about to say something that needs to be said? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspirational? Does it drive people towards God? Is it necessary? Does it need to be said? And here's the last one. K, is it kind? Without K, your words are thin. Words have power. And the words that you use, you can say them, but if they're not kind, if they're harsh, if they're mean-spirited, people don't accept them. Are they respectful? Are they loving? True, helpful, inspirational, necessary, and kind. It's a great tool to think before you speak. Now, another thing I think we can do to use our words to lift up rather than tear down is to exercise our tongue. Do you have the same image I do? Like a dumbbell kind of attached to your tongue and you swing around? That's not what I mean. You know, it's not stretches or yoga for your tongue. That's funny and gross. What I mean is, I believe that there are phrases that we can intentionally practice. You know, we can make a point to say some things that are God-honoring and that lift others up. So, here are five phrases, and here's my challenge to you this week. Write these five phrases down, grab your phone, grab a pad of paper, something. Write these five phrases down and use them this week. During the week, pay attention to whether you say them or not. You ready? Okay, here are the five phrases. Phrase number one, I love you. Powerful words. And I would encourage you to say these words, but here's the caveat on this one. Say them to someone you don't normally say it to. I'm not trying to get you a Valentine's Day date for next week. I'm not trying to get you a new boo or anything. It's not a romantic thing I'm suggesting. I'm just saying, just say I love you to someone who you don't say it to, or maybe you've never said it to. These three words are powerful. So that's one phrase, I love you. Here's phrase number two, I'm sorry. Two words, but they're hard to say sometimes. You ever got stuck in the middle like, I'm so sorry. It's hard to get them out. But if you're wrong, say I'm sorry. And here's a suggestion, here's something I'd add to that. Say I'm sorry for, and then fill in the blank. When you talk to somebody, don't talk about the other person. Talk about yourself. I'm sorry for the way that I treated you. I'm sorry that my words hurt you. Not, I'm sorry for the way that you interpreted what I had to say or the way that you responded. I'm sorry for me. Hard words to say, but powerful words to lift up. So I love you. I'm sorry. Here's the third phrase. This isn't right. Sometimes we like to say this. But do you speak up? when other people are being put down? Or do you just stand there and listen as people get torn down? Sometimes not speaking is the wrong thing to do. So stand up and say, hey, this isn't right. What's going on here isn't right. This isn't okay. And you still have to do it in a kind way. But let your words speak toward an example of what God cares about. I love you. I'm sorry. This isn't right. Here's the fourth one. Well done. Proverbs 10.21 says, The words of the godly encourage many, but fools are destroyed by their lack of common sense. Are you looking around, speaking the good 
or voicing the bad. Give voice to what someone is doing well. Not empty compliments, not blowing smoke, just real and true encouragement. Say the words, well done, thank you, I'm proud of you, you did great. Incredibly powerful words. Here's the last one, phrase number five, how can I help? This phrase, this question, helps us to remember that we're not alone. And if we're not careful, our entire lives focus on ourselves We become the center of the universe. But asking the simple question, how can I help, and then actually listening and following through can be powerful. It can remind someone else that you're there. It can remind you that you're not the only person in the universe, that they're loved, and that you care about somebody else. These five phrases, I love you, I'm sorry, this isn't right, well done, how can I help? We accept the assignment. Five phrases... And I would love to know, right in the comments right now, as you're watching this video, say, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to use these five phrases. Maybe let somebody know that you're going to do that. Or when you do it this week, hit us up on social media and share the story about using your words to lift others up. Why? Because words have power. What story are you going to tell this week with your tongue? What words of love could you share sparking the fire in a marriage that's lukewarm? What words of peace could you speak into a situation that's full of anxiety and pain? What words of courage could you speak to a child who's scared and worried and lonely? What words of hope could you speak, maybe whispering to your own soul, the hope of Jesus? Words have power. And the most powerful words you'll likely say this week aren't in the boardroom. And they're not on a stage like this. They're not from a megaphone. The most powerful words you will say this week are likely to one person or to two people or to yourself or to God. The most powerful words you will say this week might be the text message to help out a friend. The most powerful words you will say this week might be the phone call to apologize because you finally mustered up the courage to say, I'm sorry. The most powerful words you will say this week might be a mumbled and jumbled and incoherent prayer through tears in your pillow because words have power and the powerful words are not just for politicians standing behind the podium during a speech. They're not for a preacher standing on a stage during a sermon. They're not for a teacher standing by their desk during a lesson. The most powerful words are for the parent sitting in the front seat driving their child home, speaking love and care and faithfulness. The most powerful words are for the teenager standing up and looking the eye of the bully and saying, no, this isn't right. It's not okay. The most powerful words are for friends standing there, putting their arm around you and saying, well done. You've got this. I will help you. The most powerful words are for spouses with their head on the pillow, sharing love and care and hopes and dreams rather than discouragement and criticism. The tongue is so small. The tongue is so powerful. Your tongue is telling a story, whether you understand it or not, with your powerful words. So what story do you want to tell this week? I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, our words have power. And we misuse that power sometimes. I do. I misuse that power sometimes power to 
tear down rather than lift up. So I ask for your help, your reminder, your prompting this week to say these five phrases that lift other people up, that are kind, that are helpful, that are true, inspiring, necessary, that you would help us in our community, in our families, at our work, that we would be the people who would lift up rather than tear down. That you give us this reminder, something that we do hundreds of times a day, that we have this opportunity hundreds of times a day to honor you with our words. Help us do that. I thank you for your love and the fact that you speak up for us even when we mess up. Thank you for the way that you provide for us through Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.